1: Thank you for joining us today and for following Working Like Dogs on Instagram and Facebook. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis and my co-host is my adorable service dog, Lovey. And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today we're going to be visiting with Sonia Heritage and she's the head trainer for the National Search Dog Foundation. And Sonia is going to be talking with us today about the Search Dog Foundation and some of their most recent deployments and about all the amazing work that they're doing. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Sonia Heritage to the show. Sit, stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're so excited to have Sonia Heritage with us today from the National Search Dog Foundation. Hello Sonia and welcome. Hi Marcy, hi Lovey. Good to be here. <laughs> Lovey's wagging her tail. Yeah, so we're so happy you could be with us. So, yeah, Sonia, we just hear about all this amazing work that you guys are doing. And we were so excited that your founder, Wilma Melville, was on the show quite a few years ago, but we're so glad that you're back to talk with us about some of the most recent things that are happening with the National Search Dog Foundation. But first of all, just tell our listeners, what is your mission there, just so they can, can get an idea of what you guys do?
0: Well, we're a nonprofit, and we rescue dogs from shelters. Um, we find the dogs that have the desires that, and drives that we need, but we rescue dogs And then we train them here and then we pair them with first responders that are already uh, attached to task forces across the country and follow their training until certification and beyond. So we stay pretty busy here (laughs) and we're the only entity out there that provides that after training all the way through. So our goal is to have train above and beyond certification and just be ready when
1: when the call comes. Wow. Well, when you say task forces, tell us more about that, Sonia. What are those? Who are those task forces?
0: Well, there's 28 task forces, FEMA task forces across the country, and they're located you know, in key areas. Not every state has a FEMA task force, but what that is is when they go out the door, they go out with about 80 people. So it's not just dogs. The dogs are a a large part of the search component, but the FEMA teams have everything to find survivors that are buried in the rubble, in heavy debris, reinforced concrete buildings, and whatever else. And then the rescue squads, the tools and equipment to get those survivors out. Safely And the knowledge to do that. So it takes a village that they come, you know, self-supportive. We live in tents, generally speaking, and they bring everything that you need to support those folks that are out there and so that we don't impact the area that's already been impacted by
1: disaster. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, one of the things I love, I love so many things about you guys, but one of the things I really love is that you use rescue dogs. So tell us right. more about that. How do you do that? How do you find the dogs? How do you train them? Tell us about that.
0: Well, we have people all over the country that are recruiters for us that kind of keep an eye out. That's The challenge is, you know, dogs, not all shelters keep dogs for a long time. And a lot of the dogs that we well, really, most of the dogs that work for what we do, they don't have a great history on them. I mean, we're not looking for an aggressive dog, but the dogs that we look for because they're so pushy and so, you know, boisterous and if they see a toy, they're going for it and, you know, nothing's going to get in their way and they don't fit well, <laughs> you know, and so they're the dogs that run away and the dogs that are always just getting into trouble but have a, oh my gosh, just an addiction to the toy and it's not about just the toy, it's about the game, you know, about that tug of war, that contest, that And so we can take that dog that is so highly driven for that toy and say, all right, well, if you find this odor, you're going to get your toy. And we just build from there. So the first thing that we do is we screen the dog. And our screening involves toy possession, which is the number one trait for a detection dog that they have to have. A toy that is more important than anything in the environment, in a new environment. You know, that if they want to carry it around and sniff, they can do that. But if they drop that toy and then go to sniff something else and walk away from it and forget about it, then they don't have enough. Right. Enough. It doesn't yeah to them and you know yeah so yeah looking I mean it truly is an addiction you know these dogs when they see the toy I mean they start drooling right, they, right they're you obsessed know,
1: they shaking right. Right. their eyes dilate you know what I mean it's just like It's, it's like it love like on steroids
0: response. yes yeah. <laughs> exactly you know and if you see that then it's like oh okay you know so this is important to you you know they're precious you know yeah um And so then we say, all right, so what if I take this toy and I throw it up in the rubble, you know, um, and we'll do an immediate release. Uh, We'll throw it up about like 20 yards, you know, into the rubble and see, you know, can the dog, the dog can't worry about their footing and hunt at the same time. You know, so do they look at those rocks and that debris like flat ground and don't care? Or does it, do they get shaky leg? Do they go low to the ground? Or do they just go like, "Uh uh-uh, you know, I need to get off of here. Mm -hmm. And if they don't care, then we put a 15-second delay and throw it further in the rubble. And then we move to another spot and do a 30-second delay and then a minute delay to see, okay, well, that obsession, you know, does it go away when you don't see it over time? Or do you just fixate and it grows and builds and you start barking and lunging and trying to get to it? And mm-hmm. that's what we want. We don't want any obedience on these dogs whatsoever, you know, um, because it gets in the way. Yeah. Because um, then they'll start offering a sit or a down or, you know, trying to make you happy. And it's like, no, 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 no. Just just tell me what you want. Just be <laughs> you. you. Know?
1: Exactly. Just be your beautiful yeah. self. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: You know, So because, yeah, the end result is these dogs are going to go up and hunt on their own. And the handler's going to let them go. And they're going to go hunt quickly all around there to find that odor and follow it through to where it's coming out of the rubble and then stay and bark at that location down into the rubble until, because they're expecting that toy to come out of the rubble. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's not going to, you know, but we'll just, the handler will just throw a toy down and they're perfectly happy, you know, so, and then they tug with them right there. And it's just that we're not making them do anything. If you see them coming up to the rubble, you know that that's where they want to be and Mm -hmm. you're holding them back from what they want. So it's very cool to see. And the dogs, I mean, not all dogs like it. And if they don't, we career change them or we find a a lifetime home for them. We have a a career change program and we also have a lifetime care, which means that once a dog comes to us from a shelter, we are responsible for them for the rest of their life. So we will find a place for that dog where he belongs and where he's supposed to be.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. um,
0: You know, yeah, which is pretty unique also. So yeah. we provide trained dogs at no cost to the handler or to the task force. It's all, like I said, it's all donation-based.
1: Wow. Well, how many dogs do you normally find a year? Like, what's a normal amount?
0: Well, goal is to find 40, you know, so that mm-hmm. we can get 20 or more.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Because
0: it's kind of like the Olympics. It is bringing everything into play, and it's just they all can't do it. You know, some of them yeah. start out really hot and love it, but it gets harder and harder. And they go like, mm, you know, you know, this is too hard. Yeah, <laughs> you know, what I was
1: just I thinking? Do yeah, this. exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know,
0: you've got to respect it. You can't, you can't make a dog do this. you know. Right. And, I mean, and you should not only can't you, but you shouldn't. Absolutely. Know? I mean, what right do you have? So, you know, just like every person doesn't want to go up there climbing around on the rubble, but some people really love it. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You can't. Yeah. You know, so it just takes a certain type. And when we find them, I mean, they're diamonds. They are just unbelievable. It's unbelievable what they can do because what they do on a disaster is
1: mm-hmm. they make
0: a huge area. They can clear a huge area and tell you where to focus on, you know, which the other devices that you have are cameras or listening devices, which are, the listening devices are great if that victim is conscious and can respond, but you really think about earthquakes and, and other type of entrapments, you can't always holler out. You may be pinned, you may have dust That's in right. your mouth,
1: you may be unconscious,
0: yeah. you don't have it in you anymore. And so these dogs are the only tool that we have that can find an unconscious buried victim. Them and in, in a fast amount of time.
1: It's amazing.
0: Moving slowly.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so, so pretty amazing what they do. So, when you get a dog that's been identified, when it makes the screening process, what's the next mm-hmm. step after you screen them and say, okay, you're willing to commit to them?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we do medical on them and make sure that they can have a A healthy career because you put a lot of work in them and you don't want something like hip dysplasia, you know, or elbow dysplasia or heartworm, something like that. We have to make sure that they are healthy and fit to do this work, and it's not going to hurt them. And then once they pass that, we start the very first, our bread and butter is a bark alert. You know, that's what these dogs, that is their final response when they get to a buried, to odor, live human scent coming out of wherever. And so the very first thing we do is we put them in a harness, and um, we back tie them, and somebody holds the line, and we tease them until they bark. And as soon as they bark, we throw them the toy and tug with them. And then we just build it to where, you know, they see you coming out with the toy. They're just barking and barking and barking. That needs to be a conditioned response, you know, that what do I do? I bark. And then we go to a barrel system. And so we take the, I don't know if, you know, I'm, they're 55-gallon drums, but they're plastic. Like Coke makes them or Pepsi or, you know, some kind of a syrup is in them. And we put two of those together and have a lid on the front of it that has a mouse hole cut out of it. And we patch them and we, we have a lineup of five of those barrels. And in one is a person. And so we will, and in the middle one, and I don't know if you could picture this, but in the middle, they all have identical doors and they're identical barrels. And they're right next to each other in a line. And so we've got a blind that we have the dog behind and the handler behind. And they're working on a long line. And the center barrel has a tennis ball on it that's on a string. And somebody stands behind the barrel and pulls that tennis ball in as the dog's coming around the corner.
1: The uh-huh. dog goes into
0: the parade ride, chases that tennis ball into the hole that it goes into, and then they may bark at it, they may do whatever, but eventually they smell the person who's in the barrel right next door. And they stick their nose in, and they get their toy, and they get paid, and they get a good tug award. And so we'll do that like three or four times, and move the barrel to the other side of the ball, and back and forth, so the dog starts learning to hunt for that odor. And then we just—we're not asking them to bark at this point. We just want to say this odor pays every single time. When you find mm-hmm. this, and you get as close as you can get to it, and put your nose in that mouth hole, you get—you get your precious, <laughs> you get what yeah. you want, you know. And, um, yes. <laughs> and, Yeah, and they just, I mean, they're they're ballistic over it, you know, and we've got a tug that's on a nylon strap, like a three-foot strap, so they get a real good game of of tug-of-war right there. Mm. And then we say, once they're doing it back and forth on those five or six barrels that are right there, then we'll have a person come out, and we'll have the hot barrel, which is the one that has the person in it, will be, let's say, on the far right. And we'll have a person come out and start tapping and trying to call the dog to the left, you know, to the barrel that's on the left. And sometimes the dog comes over and goes, and so we just go, hey, you're a good dog. You're amazing. Oh my God, look at you. You're so pretty. And then they go, what are you, what, what's happening? And they just turn off and they go to the odor, you know? Right. And so then what we're trying to teach them is like, just forget about your eyes, forget about your ears, just trust your nose. That's it. That's all you have to do. So, and that's the distraction. <laughs> And so, you know, then they'll just look at you and go, Well, it ain't there (laughs) You know then you know you've got it. And then we'll go take the distractor away and we'll send them again and we'll just wait. And this is not all in the same session, obviously, but um, this takes about three months, two months, something like okay, that. That but, was the um, next
1: question. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Because it's a lot of steps, but then we'll just withhold reward until they get frustrated and they bark and then we'll pay on the bark. And from then it's the same thing, you know, just being able to move that barrel anywhere in that lineup and then adding the distractor. You know, for the bark, and it's just a series of that type of thing that just kind of keeps moving forward. Then we'll go to a barrel field where the barrels are all just kind of scattered all around, and that's the first time the dog works off lead. And once they're doing that, and we'll put toys in one in a barrel and food in another barrel so we can take care of that right away. And then we go to the rubble and we put barrels on the rubble. And then we transition from the barrels into uh, concrete pipe. Then after that, it's like anything goes. You know, then we start teaching diffuse odor and how to, when it's coming from 100 places, which one do you pick? And it's the one that your nose took you to. That's the one. <laughs> you know, you don't have to tell me where it's coming out of everywhere, but yeah. just, you got us here. So it's it's a series of things, but it's just, it's incredible. I mean, you just let the dogs natural drive. Just, they take them there. We just kind of channel it in the direction and keep it in the lane, but they do it all just, just instinctually. And it's just so amazing to watch.
1: I love that. That is so cool of letting them be them, especially dogs from a shelter where they were not valued for those skills and for you guys to not only value them, but to give them these amazing opportunities where they can express themselves.
0: You know, the thing is with these dogs, like when they come in, they have no use for people, most of them. You know, they just don't. I mean, they've always been the bad dog and they've heard no continuously. Mm -hmm. And they don't even look at you. They're just like, whatever. And when they leave here, they, oh my God, their head is high. They're all muscled up. Mm. Their tail is high. And they're looking every human that they come to, they look them right in the eye. It's just, oh God. It's, yeah.
1: Wow. Um, it's
0: just talking about it because that's what it's about right there. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. They've got that confidence in who they are. And that's so beautiful. Oh, I they love that.
0: Have a Yep, it's so yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah. That's it. If we can all find our purpose right. right? That's it. That's the aha. Yeah. That's so great. <laughs> it is it's it. You know, find your yeah.
0: passion and go with it, you I know? know. So simple
1: so. but so challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. so when are they matched with their search team partner? So how does the, how does that piece of it work?
0: So we do an interview process and we have we have a three-year wait for dogs. And so the thing about search dogs or any dogs, unfortunately, they don't live forever and they can't do the work forever. So it's a, you're kind of always behind the eight ball on that a little bit. But their careers usually go from like two, they're out of here about two, two and a half years. Our training program is nine months on the average. So to go through everything. And when our dogs leave, they have... Um, Full obedience, they do a focused heel. They do a long down out of sight for five minutes or seven minutes. They do agility, full-on agility, off-lead agility. They do direction and control, which is kind of like being able to stand at home plate at a baseball field and be able to direct your dog to first pitchers or third and then back to second and overs and sides and do it by hand signals or voice or whistle and then they also do the rubble search so they and they do building search and vehicle search so they they get a lot in there But so when that happens, we've got a list as well of the task forces and the handlers coming up. We do an interview process to make sure that that handler understands what they're getting into and that just what all the challenges of it are, because it's like having a three-year-old, you know, Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and you're going to have to find something for that three-year-old to do every day and Mm -hmm. not to mention the commitments to the task force and the commitments to us. So. Some people just think it's cool, but they don't really get into the, you know, you're yes. probably going to 10 grand a year out of mm-hmm. your own pocket. Can you do that? What yeah. do you do on vacations? How do you go to your kids, all your kids' games? It's going mm-hmm. to impact your life and your marriage and your kids are going to feel it. Can you do it? Mm-hmm. And everybody can't. Some don't even know they can't. They just, you see them, you just read the body language. Yeah. And we pick the handlers along with their task force, but we have the major input on it and then they wait until they come up in the lift, and then they come here for two weeks. Uh, we have a 125-acre amazing training center. It's the national training center in Santa Paula, California, and we have rubble piles. We've got a collapsed freeway prop. We've got four train cars that are in a wreck. We have Cool North city, which is like your city block, USA, that has been completely devastated intact structures but everything around them is wood debris furniture just what you would see anywhere we have a tilted house that is incredible it's a, a tilted house everything here was built to code so it's it's kind of crazy like how do you build a tilted house to code but we did
1: <laughs> wow that's <laughs> then, impressive wow
0: yeah we have a covered training area that is like a horse arena, you know, to get out of the sun and be able to work these dogs on agility and obedience in the barrel system, not in the sun. And I mean it's doggy Disneyland here. You I, know, was, really I was that's
1: what I was gonna say, yes, in California. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's pretty amazing, and, and it's Sounds just, good. we our handlers can stay here. We have a handler's lodge, you know, and that they can stay when they're here training, and yeah, it's a spectacular property. It wow. really, really is. It's done right and um, pretty wow. amazing. I mean, we, our grooming area is two hydraulic tubs. Right, with two <laughs> hydraulic grooming tables, like it's just like we don't have to lift oh, them. Oh, I that's came here, we were on my back porch, like in a bathtub, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's oh, like oh. this is—it's just we're so grateful. I mean, we really are, and we're so lucky. We
1: know that. Wow. Well, hold that thought because we're going to come Thanks. right back. We're going to take a quick break, and hear some important messages from our sponsors. But we're going to come back, and we want to hear more about that and about your recent deployment. So come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned.
0: She was thrown out of a pickup truck. Somebody threw him out of a car and shattered his leg. They found her walking on the streets.
1: Many have been abused, malnourished, eating garbage, scabs, Itching,
0: licking, missing fur.
1: There's this commercial on TV that the ASPCA does. They want you to send in $19 a month for a dog in the shelter. I think you should go and adopt a dog from the ASPCA and then get that dog on Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com.
0: You don't need to spend thousands on vet bills. Their answer is nutrition. The omega-3 fatty acids.
1: Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive
0: enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. When you rescue a dog, you've got to feed him right for life. Every rescue deserves at least 90 days of dynovite. 859 428 1000 859 428 1000 Dynovite is nutrition. Dynovite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E
1: dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet life Radio. Pet life Radio. com. <laughs> Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio and we're visiting today with Sonia Heritage and Sonia is from the National Search Dog Foundation. And boy, you were telling us all kinds of amazing things before the break. And we were talking about that incredible training facility that you guys have. I can't believe that you have all of those specifics for all kinds of different disasters. How did you get the funding to do that, to build that house? We are just very blessed to have donors all across the country,
0: actually all all around the world, that believe in our mission statement and we're very proud to say that we do this all without government support so so they're behind it as well we don't do it by ourselves that's for sure and they just bought into Wilma's amazing well, that's that's, wonderful. Our yeah, is amazing. Yeah, you've met with her and yes, she just yes. same drive as the dogs we look for. <laughs> uh, and it, you know, she started out like just doing watermelon stands, and here we are. That we've got people that do this professionally that are out there working for us. So it's great.
1: Well, tell us about some of your recent deployments. How do you guys get calls when there is a disaster? Tell us about that, Sonia. Walk us through that process.
0: Okay, so we don't deploy dogs from Search Dog Foundation. What we do, because our dogs are assigned to handlers that are already on a task force, then the task force gets deployed and God. our dogs go with them. So yeah, okay. um, so that all comes down. There's, there's a whole system in place as far as if something happens in Santa Paula, which is where we are here, then they would pull from the closest task forces that are available but not impacted. And if it's something huge like 9-11, then they'll still pull the three closest, but then they'll start going on to a national rotation where the The next three, one will be from the West Coast, one from Central, and one from the East Coast. And they'll just keep going down that matrix. And that matrix changes every month with where those task forces are in the matrix. Um, So, do the the dogs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. And so, when you place dogs, do they. Mm -hmm. So, are they responsible for responding to so many disasters in their area? Or what's that commitment?
0: Well, the commitment is that if the phone call comes and they need that resource, that canine search dog, that, yeah, you're responsible. Yeah, I mean, most of our handlers are firefighters already, so they're already in that line of business, and they totally understand that, you know. So everybody wants to go out, that's for sure. We're not the kind of people that watch a disaster unfolding and don't want to be there. We all want to be there because we know how amazing how much these dogs can help, you know, yeah. and how important it is to get them there quickly. That's usually the biggest frustration.
1: It seems like it's one disaster after another. I mean, with the earthquake in Mexico City, with, yeah. So we're, I'm sure you had their, your dogs are in all of those different areas.
0: Yeah. Well, we wow. had in Hurricane Harvey, we had 15 of our dogs at um, at Harvey. And, um, and then Irma was right on the tail of Harvey, and we had 16 teams of our dog teams there. And then, of course, the Mexico earthquake hit, and we had seven of our dogs, dog teams deployed there, and two of them are actually in Baja, California, and, you know, they operate out of Mexico. So we had two that were there right away, and five more came from LA County, uh, down there to, to assist. And then, you know, we had uh, teams in Puerto Rico as well. Let me see. We had like like six or seven teams in Puerto Rico. So, yeah, it was quite the month.
1: (laughs) Wow. But they all went out
0: there and did what they do, and and we're so proud of them. And you never – that's – you know, in this as a responder, a disaster responder, you never know what you're going to. You just mm-hmm. don't. And that's why these dogs have got to be so spot on because you just don't you can't look at something and go, Oh no, I don't think my dog's gonna do
1: that you know? It's gonna yeah. be like No, oh, there's gotta oh, be oh, trust we've got and it. yeah, yeah we yeah. got it and it's just so important. And how long do know. they usually stay when they're deployed? How long is the usual time there on the ground? Do you have a structure like that? I do. I mean, seven to 10 days is kind of, it's really a week to
0: two weeks is what they look at, generally speaking. But when you start getting into these back-to-back hurricanes, I mean, you can mm-hmm. be out for a month easily, you know, because you move from one to the other. So you just stay equipped and, and you have to have that, that support system at home. So Mm -hmm. things carry on, and everybody understands, your employer, your spouse, your kids, they all understand that if that call comes, you've got to go no matter what's happening.
1: Yeah, well, I I really appreciate you saying that and about how you have to have that support because otherwise it can get really stressful really quickly at home, and you can't have that to do that job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You just can't, you know. And do you guys do any kind of debriefing or any kind of follow-up with your teams when they get back from these disaster areas?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I've been a handler for 20 years, and I've been all over the world on deployments, disasters. But the biggest, and that's, that's how we built this place, is on the things that I've seen and the things that other handlers have seen and had issues with, trouble with, or you've seen other teams have trouble with it. So you can do it here, and if you're going to fail, you fail here. And then you learn what to do, and that way it's not going to happen out in the field. And so when they came back from from Mexico, as well as coming back from the hurricanes, but from Mexico, one of the things that was very challenging for them there was there was a spiral staircase that they had to get down from the fourth floor or go up and then come down, but it was a super narrow one. And uh, one of the dogs bailed off of it and jumped into a window and that's the. And he's fine, you know. I mean, he mm-hmm. was pretty smart actually, because then they went down the interior stairs. But <laughs>
1: like, uh, <laughs> you know, um,
0: <laughs> really. But uh, you know, um, but that's the kind of thing that you bring back. So you know, now we're looking for three different sizes of spiral staircases so that we can start with a a large
1: one that's wide mm-hmm. and taper them down. And, yeah, uh, that makes so that's perfect how, sense. That's how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to enhance their abilities. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely, but we debrief
0: everyone and try to grasp those nuggets before they go away.
1: Yeah, well, and what about the dogs' health when they're out on these deployments? Do they have any requirements of, of getting checkups or doing any kind of monitoring? They do, or just regular they, maintenance they do daily. The medics that are on and
0: the doctors, because these task forces go with two doctors. And then just numerous amounts of medical personnel that are paramedics. So the handlers have to have a. everybody on the task force gets a daily medical check and the dogs go through the same thing. So some of the things that we had to do is if it's really super hot and dry is do subcutaneous fluids before Mm -hmm. they go out, just kind of prehydrate them. We'll also do kind of a flavored mix that we'll put into water so they drink more when they're out working. You know, you may get some abrasions or some biggest thing is, is really where you start your dog because they start out so fast that you have to make mm-hmm. sure that they've got something safe underneath of them. So because mm-hmm. if you start on broken glass or a bunch of wire or whatever, then that's when they're not thinking. They're just like gotta go. You know, yeah. they get a from you they tend to pace themselves out and pay attention but we do so much agility training that is that teaches them where their back feet are you know um, independent foot awareness so that if they step down on something and there's a nail they can shift their body weight and keep on going without getting punctured or things like that but I've probably been on over 20 major deployments and you may get a cut here or a cut there but that's I mean we get them too Mm-hmm. The dogs of don't, course. Care, yeah. don't even pay attention. So, but we take care of it right away. And yeah,
1: I was wondering
0: about the that. thing and- is making sure they eat and stay hydrated, and that you do a decon every night and get get all the stuff off of them.
1: Mhm. Uh-huh. And how long and they are they? Dressed. How long do they work, and then get before they get a break when they're actually on site?
0: You know, these dogs, they search so quickly that you're part of a moving machine. So if it's something like Mexico, Mexico had 40 buildings down. So you would work one area and then, I don't know that this happened in Mexico, but this would be the system, that the dogs would work one area and then they'd go, they'd put tech search in there after that, which is the cameras and the listening devices. Then a rescue squad would come in. You would move to another area. And they bring in another set of dogs. It's just a big rotating clock that you keep moving around, so they get the rest in the cars or whatever, mm-hmm, however you're moving. Because mm-hmm. these dogs learn just like the people do to catch your sleep when you can. <laughs> mm-hmm, but they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't work like. I mean, they're not out there working like. I mean, I've done 48 hours, but my dog had downtime. You mm-hmm. know, to sleep when we weren't up and working. So yeah. they may be away from the. They call it base of operations. The boo for days, but it doesn't mean that they're working nonstop throughout that. Because here's the thing. It's just like anything else. It's like a camera or a listening device. If the batteries are dead, you're not doing anything. You go walk around with it, but it's not doing anything. So it's the same with the dogs. If they need a break just because they're up there running around doesn't mean that they're hunting. Yeah, well, that's what
1: I wondered about. How long was mm -hmm. that, yeah, that they could be in that hunt? And it just so depends. It depends on the
0: weather. It just depends, but I mean, they can do an hour search. You're just gonna have to give them some breaks. Yeah, a break. Break can be 10 minutes. Yeah, it can be five minutes, and then just ramp them back up again and go. It just really depends on the dog, how fit they are going in there, because they need to stay fit all the time. And let's say, is the dog from upstate New York? where it's cool out and you're bringing them to Arizona or California where right. it's hot and dry. Yeah. There's that acclimation. Or you're going from California where it's hot and dry to Louisiana where it's thick and the humidity is off the charts and, and it's hot. You just have to, just like the people, you got to just look and do that acclimation. And just, yeah, know, be them. really
1: aware. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so cool. It's amazing the work that you do. And I'm just, we're so thrilled that you're doing it and that you're being so successful and that you have the support. That's wonderful. Well, so tell us, I know our time is coming to an end, but I do want to ask you, how can our listeners get information about you guys, Sonia, if they're interested in volunteering or contributing? or well, how's a good way to connect with you guys? If you just go to searchdogfoundation.org or just put Search Dog Foundation in your
0: browser, you'll pull up our website and uh, it's, you know, everything you need is right there and all about us, about the dogs that we have and about our program, how it works. And we are a top-rated nonprofit, so we do pretty well in that. I'm not exactly sure what our, uh, I should know that, what our percentage is, but I mean, we are low 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 as, as to what is used for staffing and all that so everybody that works here is just so passionate about the mission and uh i'm just the luckiest person in the world doing what i used to do for free anyway <laughs> you, know, yeah. like, you know having a <laughs> exactly. job doing it because yes. i was doing this non-stop uh, you know for forever you, you and you found uh, your purpose um, yep that's it yeah, that's I mean, awesome i love I know that my mom say, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I'm like, well, I'm going to be probably a bag lady with some really nice dogs that do things. <laughs> you know. Like this. And here I am. So, yep. you know, you if, are. Um, if you follow your passion and, and you, you're all in, then yep. good things will come from it.
1: Yep. I am a strong sure. believer in that. Well, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we have to go today?
0: No, just, you know, I don't know. I mean, just kind of dogs, but I don't think I have to say that to your listeners. So um, <laughs> well, you know dogs are fantastic and yeah, yeah it's it's incredible. Have, yeah. And we also have our screening process online so if there's folks listening that are in shelters or or um, they're trainers and they have a dog that comes through with a client that they go like, oh, this dog just doesn't suit you. We do have that screening process on our website and maybe it's just a dog that needs to be a disaster dog, you know?
1: Excellent. Oh, I'm glad that you mentioned that. That's great. And we will have your website address and that information up on our site as well so that our listeners can access and find you guys because it's just so exciting what you're doing. It's, so, it's contagious to hear your experience excitement it is, uh, yeah it is, yeah it's
0: just oh my god there's just so many amazing things about it you know that it's a great thing to get up and do every day that's oh.
1: for sure well thank you so much for the work that you're doing sonia and we hope you'll come back and visit with us again yeah. and keep us posted and boy lovey and i would love to see your training facility that would be an amazing well if you out this way absolutely yeah okay well thank yeah, you so much yep we will (laughs) and thank you our (laughs) listeners for being with us today we love to hear from you so please keep those emails coming and you know you can email us at Marcy m-a-r-c-i-e at petliferadio.com and we love staying connected with you at working like dogs on instagram and facebook so please stay in touch and take good care